Hello, I'm Matt Wiseman, and this is Meaning What. We've got a big day today. Uh, we're going to talk about the pandemic, COVID-19. Uh, it's New York. It's raining this Tuesday. Price of oil has gone below zero dollars. Um, Michael Moore produced a movie um, and he just released it on YouTube today. It's called The Planet of the Humans about global climate crisis. It's been heavy. It's been a heavy time. And we're all going through this pandemic together even though we're separated into our little houses or little units. And that's different for everyone. Some people have access to the outside, some people don't. There's a lot of confusion and hysteria. There's even an anti-pandemic lockdown protest as possibly funded by right-wingers like Alex Jones and some gun nuts that are related to Betsy DeVos. So this world is, it is what it's always been, but it's also going through this, this upheaval, this revealing of the truth, lifting of all of the confusion, more confusion really. It's quite, Quite a thing to live through. Um, I'm close to my kids and my family. We're all sheltering in place together in New York City. Um, and it's wonderful, but it's also difficult and challenging in its own way. Today, done a lot of research and I'm going to talk about the pandemic and I'm going to break it down in three parts. First, we're going to talk about the biological crisis. Um, these are actually the three parts I got from uh, Dylan Radigan on his appearance on the Hill Rising, where he brought this down into three derivative crises, right? So the first is the biological crisis, the actual virus, um, COVID-19, and its origins, and what do we know about it, what we don't know for sure, what we suspect, and all the details therein. Next, uh, the next crisis that comes after the biological crisis is the economic crisis. So we've had to shelter in place. We've had to lock it down. This is what the people are protesting in the eight states that are refusing lockdowns. Um, they're refusing to shut down their economy. And they're potentially harming all of us because that's how viruses work, uh, pandemics work. The whole world is suffering this right now. And the economic crisis for some is greater than the cost, which is ridiculous. Uh, on a quick note, I was watching 
I was listening to uh, Planet Money on NPR economics podcast and they were talking about the value of human life and they estimate for calculations and safety purposes economists have to do this they have to put a price on human life and it's 10 million dollars per human life and it's not adjusted per age but no obvious reasons or race so just 10 million dollars so if you want to look at the economic loss, you got to factor that in. It's just such a dehumanizing way. Even at that amount of money, it's still shocking. <clears throat> anyway, the biological crisis, then the economic crisis, and the, finally the financial crisis. I'm going to focus primarily on the biological crisis because I feel like that is something that there's a lot of misinformation around uh, and there's a lot of politics and a lot of spin and really I want people to understand the facts and I did a lot of research with this um, using the CDC website, using the WHO, using uh, BBC and CNN and using um, the Harvard study and it, that was published in CNN in the journal Science, and using um, osmosis.org, which are really great uh, teaching tool. So here we go. biological crisis. What is this pandemic? What is the virus actually? It's a uh, SARS COVID um, SARS coronavirus 2 COVID-19. What can be done about it? Well, you've seen you've heard flattening the curve, right? So the curve, that model that you see has new cases on a vertical axis and then on a horizontal axis is time, you know, per day, right? So the curve is the amount of cases we have throughout one day. So if you can reduce that amount of new cases per day, and there's a line on top, a checkered line, that line is the, the capacity of all health in any given country. So if you're looking at the world, it's the world. If you're looking at um, Italy, it's Italy. If you're looking at the U.S., uh, as you probably are, it's the U.S. And because of the way that healthcare works, they want to maximize that on a normal setting. But since this is a pandemic, you know, you want to have the curve be as close to the, the line um, of the capacity of the healthcare system. So you're working at optimal capacity. But since we're in a pandemic and things can spike suddenly, you know, so people of severe illness and people of all kinds of uh, require all kinds of sickness and disease and disorientation uh, or whatnot, um, require the healthcare system. So you want to be able to allocate for that, uh, especially when they're getting overburdened. So to flatten the curve is to reduce the amount of strain on our healthcare system to raise the line, which is the other alternative, is to increase the capacity of the healthcare system. So you want to raise the line and flatten the curve. Um, 
where did COVID-19 come from? They know it exists in animal reservoir of bats, and then it somehow got to humans. How that happened, whether it was research that was um, went awry, or it was a wet market, or it was interactions with the bats somehow, we don't know. We absolutely don't know, and it doesn't really matter as far as dealing with the biological crisis. You can always place blame later on when an investigation is done, but let's get through this before we start trying to point the finger and be wary of anybody who points the finger when we are in a crisis. You need to deal with the crisis first. You need to stop the bleeding. You need to stop the spread. Um, and then you can talk about blame or who needs what and reparations or what have you. Be wary of anyone that does that right now because they are actively trying to avoid taking responsibility. And the responsibility right now is to flatten the curve, reduce new cases, and, um, and to increase the capacity of the healthcare system. So there's two ways that this can be controlled. How is it controlled? We isolate and we mitigate. So you can isolate where you're testing and tracing people. So you probably heard that before, test and trace. If we can find out who has it, who's suspected to have it and who has it, and we can confirm that, then we can trace back who they had contact with. And this is a way that we can control the spread. And if we know that there's no new cases and the curve is flattened, then we have it under control um, with testing and tracing. Of course, this is dependent upon the test. Uh, that's another issue we can talk about. Um, and then if you don't have it under control, you have to assume the worst. You have to assume that there's uncertainty and therefore you have to have um, assume max, maximum risk. Uh, the, and that's where you mitigate. You try to stop everyone from interacting instead of just saying this certain population. And if you do that, we know that the incubation period is five days. We know that the, um, then you will get symptoms after that if you're going to have symptoms. Uh, and the, the course of this thing lasts is about two weeks. So you would have to be, you know, over two weeks in isolation for everybody if we were actually going to be on top of this issue. But the only way that they would be able to do that is to have a complete lockdown. And we'll go into other things. Um, let's do that now. So let's get into the actual details. Uh, the number of cases and the number of deaths uh, allow us to find out how the lethality works, right? So the percent of mortality based on how many cases you have. Now you'll see that the number of deaths are always much higher um, relative to the number of cases. The reason that is, is because we don't have testing. We just don't, there, there's undiagnosed cases and so or asymptomatic cases, people that aren't tested that aren't having any symptoms and we don't even know to test them. We're not gonna test the whole population, but what they could do is a sampling of the population but that depends on what kind of test. Uh, and these things um, are complicated. So uh, the 
but the mortality rate, the lethality rate that they is, they're working with right now is about 0.7%, which is fairly high. Um, you know, this is uh, 70 people out of every 10,000. You know, so that's what we're working with. And it's uh, serious. So uh, let's do some test cases so I can be, illustrate basically what has been done and what can be done as far as mitigation and isolation. Um, so the theory of mitigation that happened in China. China, as a case study, China did uh, on December 31st, um, 2019, they admitted to everything that they had this. Um, on January 24th, they they said, we're going to go into total lockdown. Uh, there's a stay-at-home orders, shutdowns, blocked routes in and out of cities, uh, and screened entry points. So no one was coming in and no one was going out. In 15 cities and 57 million people. They stopped all travel and monitored anybody coming and going. The only people out, the people were told to shelter in place, and if they weren't, the government would come and stop you. You were only allowed to leave in, in the case of you're going to the pharmacy or you're going to the, um, you're going to the grocery store. And that was it. So everybody was told to shelter in place. Uh, they also converted hospital um, ho hotels into hospital beds because the beds are empty anyway. Uh, just another thing you should realize. Um, they had a high point on February 5th. So this is from 24th to the January to the 5th of, the, of February. And they built, the, they worked tirelessly to build multiple hospitals. They flew in doctors and nurses from other regions and they had a huge access to a lot of personal protective equipment so that their healthcare response of raising the bar worked really well and they were able to flatten the curve rather quickly. Um, and then when March came around, you know, so you're talking uh, the course of five weeks um, from the beginning of the shutdown to, uh, to March, when March came around, there was more cases coming from travelers than there were from native people in China. Obviously, we don't know how much to trust the results coming out of China, but you got to take all of these things with a grain of salt. And this is just the case study of what we know from China. Next is South Korea. So the South Koreans case study, they didn't have to do a shutdown. They did mass testing. It, it appeared in Seoul, Korea, which is the capital, and they did mass testing. They had free medical testing, aggressive medical testing. They had drive-through testing, uh, so there was no interaction. People could just drop it off from their cars. They had a phone booth where, pe where people would swab you. They'd be inside the phone booth, and they'd be protected, and they'd swab your mouth, and they could do testing on site. Um, they did 15,000 per day, and by the 20th of March, they, um, they had about 317,000 out of 
51 million people tested. That's one out of 120, one out of every 162 people tested. And so they were able to, to decide, you know, who was positive, who was negative. And the people that were positive went to the hospital if they were severe uh, or in, or they went to quarantine and they quarantined at home, stayed in place. And so they were able to do the test and trace. They did contact tracing and followed up with anybody who tested positive. Um, they had limited lockdown to only the sick. So they didn't have to do a wide scale lockdown like China did. And healthcare was all they had. The, the healthcare capacity was very well prepared. They knew what was happening in China. They got prepared and they got on top of it. So that's, uh, Option one and option two, right? So option two is this complete lockdown or option B, if you like. Uh, you might have heard it's called that. Option A or option one is the voluntary shutdown where people um, shelter in place. So the voluntary shutdown is only as effective as the number of people practicing the actual shutdown. So this is where it comes to the U.S. The U.S. situation right now, we have the most cases in the world as of the um the 20th of March, we had uh, 135,000 people tested uh, in comparison to, you know, Korea's number, uh, South Korea's number of one in every, one, every one in every 162 people. We actually have one in every 2,424 people tested as of March 20th. Um, it was 15 times the amount, uh, 15 times less the amount than South Korea. Uh, our testing is not adequate, has never been adequate, or it's unavailable. Um, and it takes days to get results because of the nature of our testing. Now, the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, provided a lot of support outside of the U.S. The U.S. refused the WHO, and we had the CDC. Um, it was a superior organization, but they were supposed to have this under control. They decided to do it all alone and they didn't have it under control and they messed up in the testing and they were processing all the testing and they were to supply, they were providing, it took a while for them to get the free market, you know, uh, third party vendors to produce the test that they needed. And so this is a crucial delay that actually costs American lives. Um, the other case in the U S some States, uh, lockdown, not all of the states, and it's minimally enforced. So the issue becomes the, the the voluntary shutdown, right? It's only effective as a number of people participating. Well, if some states are not even locking it down and people aren't participating, um, we're not going to get out of this. It's going to continue to be, we're going to be continue to be at the mercy of the virus. We need to get it under control. We need to flatten the curve. Um, potential solutions would be if the federal government doesn't want to lock down everything, you know, for two weeks to a month, then states are going to have to do it. Literally restrict travel, you know, on the roads, routes coming in and out that's what needs to happen if we're going to actually get a handle on this, because this is going to stay with us for a lot longer um, until we get this under control. Now we're not even talking about treatment or um, vaccine. That is a ways out. Uh, 18 months to two years, it would be optimistic. 
to get a vaccine, even if they're doing phase trials now or in Mumbai, they're testing, um, they're testing poor people with uh, hydroxychloroquine as perhaps a preventative. Uh, and we know that people died of that, that were trying to do it because Donald Trump said so. So it's a scary time. So problems with the U.S., uh, we had inadequate uh, personal protective equipment, There's hundreds of ill or quarantined doctors and nurses, so that reduces our capacity in the health, the, the ICU bed shortage, the ventilator shortage. Uh, we have runs on medication, so there was just shortage of medication. So almost everything that could go wrong with our healthcare system has gone wrong, um, and there's been no real solution. And the end effect of that is that the mortality rate increases. People that are severely ill are the ones that are not going to be able to get well. You can't. If you can't breathe and you need help breathing because you need a ventilator just to kind of get you through an hour, get you through a day, and there's no ventilator, you're not going to live. That's it. Um, if you had a complete lockdown, you can flatten the curve in about 14 days. Complete lockdown. We've seen the, uh, the, the, the economy tank a lot faster because there's no economic movement. No one's buying or selling. No one's moving. Not in the way that we need to, to have things growing. Um, it's the same thing, the virus. We need to shut it down. And the sooner we bite the bullet on that, the better we can, the faster we can get back to life as normal. Otherwise, we're going to perpetually do this. As long as there's people protesting in the streets, as long as there's people that are not being contained and they're going about their business, their states, uh, we have to contain this virus. You can't stop the thread. You can't stop the threat if you can't stop the spread. And um, we're not doing that. And so it's very dire. The economic crisis. It's the shutdown and the lockdown. It's going to cause people not to have any money, right? You know, there is a real livelihood situation uh, where we're all at risk of losing our livelihoods. We're all at risk of of losing our ability to pay for rent and mortgage and groceries. And these things are due now. And we're not going to be able to live on our sa uh, savings forever. So the only solution, the only solution is a uh, universal basic income. Now, this has been done by almost every nation in the world. And we're not doing it. We're just not doing it. And the, all of these stimulus bills, phase four, whatever just passed um, or is likely to pass, it's not doing it. Um, keeping people in their jobs is something that they did in uh, the Netherlands. You know, they made sure that all small businesses were going to be subsidized by the government until this thing is over. And so they go, everything goes back to the way it was. And we didn't do that. 
Now, if you're familiar with how business works, is that there is an onboarding process and then offboarding process, right? But it's harder to get people trained and in their position than it is to actually just have people come back. That's the difference between being laid off and furloughed. But if you're going to be laid off and you're not going to have your job anymore, even if they welcome you back, there is a process to do that. And that is going to slow the recovery in us getting back to the way things used to be. So having universal basic income allows people to pay their bills. We can't pay our bills right now. People are living on savings. People aren't sure what they're going to do. People are going to continue to work, which is going to continue to spread the virus, which is going to be endanger everybody. Um, and of course, Medicare for all, like this, these things, these, the, no one should be worrying about accruing debt right now because they have to get tested or they have to go to the hospital or they're going to get sick. This is a health pandemic and it's, it's, it's egregious. It's just very egregious that we don't have Medicare for all, universal basic income or keeping people in their jobs. And this is going to have lasting repercussions once we get out of this and we will get out of this, but like I said, the U S response has been not good. Um, let me tell you a little bit about the response, uh, a little side note. And this comes from Tom Hartman, um, who is a, a YouTuber and an intellectual and author um, out of Oregon. He says that the, the three options for a government response, you basically, you know, three ways to get to herd immunity. And you've probably seen some of this political stuff spun out. Um, you either do nothing for most people. You know, this is the, the kill grandma tactic. Um, just let it all run wild. Burn through the population, you might have heard. Uh, the uh, the Texas politician was saying, you know, I will sacrifice myself for the economy. This is what he means. Um, it doesn't matter. He's not going to be able, even if he dies, it's not going to redo the economy. And John Oliver pointed that out on last week tonight. It, he's not going to save the economy or save the tribulations or the troubles we're going through by volunteering to die. It doesn't, that's ridiculous. The only way to go through this is the hard way is to shut down everything for two weeks. We're not doing that in New York. It's been, you know, a little over a month we've been shut down and maybe we'll flatten the curve here. But if there's somebody in Georgia or somebody in Texas that comes here, then we could just have it spark up again. So it has to be everybody. Um, Dr. Fauci from the uh, administration, the CDC, the, the sorry, the um, National Institute of Health, he said that if we if we do go this path and kill grandma path, then we will um, kill one to two million people. And that's not acceptable. It's kind of going to be the default path if we don't make a decision. All right. Uh, step two is mitigation, right? So this is the um, lockdowns, you know, social distancing, uh, shelter in place orders. Without enforcement, you're going to have people, to, you know, maybe the number of people, the effectiveness is relative to the number of people that participate. So how effective it's going to be is questionable if there's no enforcement. And then there's, there's ideas about limited re releases, you know, rolling shutdowns or releasing age groups. So the, if the contagion is, is, is through the age groups, it doesn't matter, right? 
like it doesn't matter if you're infecting Timmy and Tommy or whatever, Tammy and the kids get to go back to school. Um, and then they come back and then grandma gets sick. Like it's just might as well let it get everybody anyway. So why not just bite the bullet and do a federal lockdown? Just so bewildering. And then, you know, total containment, you know, testing and tracing like those STDs. So that's the, the last, um, but it, basically the only option is total containment. Like we need to have enforced shutdowns for the whole nation all at once to get through this. Nothing, the idea of civil liberties, the idea of, of trying to weather this out or like have some places shut down when the world is suffering this is ridiculous. And we've already seen places in Africa that are actually restricting travel from Europe and from the US. So it's this reverse kind of issue, you know, usually being the colonializing hegemonic empire that the U.S. is, we get to say who can come in and who cannot come in. And we're, we're the ones who call the shots. People are literally shutting us out because our responses are so bad. We need to think about that. We need to think if this is really what we want to do because it's a mistake you're going to kill Americans because you don't want to make a decision. You think that somebody like Donald Trump, who's kind of this authoritarian and he loves these autocrats that and fascists, that, that he would want to do that. And in some ways he is. He's pushing a lot of his crazy agenda while we're all sick and the economy is dying. And he really has this opportunity to do something big and bold and he's shying away from it, shying away from taking any responsibility for American lives. It just shows you where his priority is. The financial crisis. So our government has, with the stimulus bill, that they passed has really tried to take care of the financial crisis that's going to happen. That's a recession or depression that we've been trying to hold off for a long time. And we actually set ourselves up for this problem. The way our system was rebuilt um, over the past 20 years has set us up for this problem. Um, in the, the bailout. So, this comes from Richard Wolf uh, on the Tom Hartman program that um, he said it in his own program as well, the economic update, uh, that there's, we have a fragile system, a weak system, and little triggers that naturally occur in economies have triggered recessions. In the past 20 years, we've had one in the, the dot-com bubble that burst in the 2000s, early 2000s, 99, 2000, right? Um, that set a huge recession. And then we had the subprime mortgages, uh, toxic mortgage, so-called toxic mortgages, that set a, a recession in 2008, 2009. Um, and now we have this viral pandemic. Um, and the first concern of the, of the federal government is to to uh, assess the 
the public markets, to assess the stock market, to watch the stock market. And that says you something very crucially wrong with our understanding of the world. You know, this is um, I call market fundamentalism, right? That the free market, if you take care of the people that are doing the best, everyone else will therefore be taken care of. You know, and that people that are doing the, this is the most efficient, people that are in the private market are the most efficient, they're doing everything that's needed, um, and they are providing for everyone beneath them, um, which is ludicrous, and it's been exposed as false, as we can see right now. When people are, are in desperate need of efficiency, they're desperate in need of help, the only solution, and most of the world has agreed on this, is the federal government to step in. And if you look at U.S. history, this is what's happened. Even in the U.S. during World War II, that's how we got back to what we needed to do. And they had the Truman Commission to, to root out private profiteering, which is rampant right now. They had um, the War Production Act, or well, that came a little later, but they had something similar where they were uh, getting uh, different companies to produce what was needed for the war effort. The entire economy. There was rationing of goods, so there was a limited amount of milk, you say. And instead of it being a free market where people with the most money could buy as much as they wanted, um, it was rationed. You know, get a family, you could have X amount of ounces of milk a week or a month, you know, based on how many people you had. So these kind of market interventions were necessary based on the scenario of which we were living in. They were necessary to respond to a crisis. Mm -hmm. Now we're in a crisis where we've had a wholesale rejection of any kind of accountability. And all they've done is put trillions upon trillions of dollars, I think it's like something like six or $10 trillion into the stock market. As if all of these private industries and all these CEOs and these board members are going to save us. I've told you what needed to be done. Like you need to, to flatten the curve by stopping the spread of this coronavirus. That means a lockdown. That means taste, test and tracing. If you can't isolate, then you have to mitigate. And the only way to mitigate is to have a lockdown. That's it. It's not really that hard. That's where it needs to be. That's where the focus needs to be. And then you need to keep people in their jobs and have a universal basic income and you need to have Medicare for all. Just cover everybody for a month. Like it would kill you to cover everybody for a month. And I know what they're doing. What they're doing is selling out the American people, selling out the American way of life, selling out what America is. They literally are doing everything they can to take money from the people. They are... Since 2008, 2009, with that crisis, they learned how to consolidate wealth within the public market. And now they've streamlined it to about two weeks. And so now they have this massive wealth consolidation where they're going to have an oligarchy, this monopoly with unprecedented powers that have never been put in check since 2008, since 2000. You know, we've had this ball rolling where the average person that works a job the small business owner that's trying to make a living, they are all going to be collateral damage to the wealth of these massive monopolies. 
and they are not efficient and they are not good. And you have somebody like, you know, like Boeing or, you know, they has to be bailed out and supplied for because if you're going to bail out the big banks in 2008, big 2009, you're going to keep them around. Then every other industry that's big says we're too big to fail. When the real market, if the free market was allowed to be free and not actually being supported by government socialization, not even socialization, subsidies, the government taxpayer subsidies of big industry, if they were allowed to fail, then there would be new industry that props up that was more efficient and is more um, responsive to the needs and wants of the American people. But if you're going to say that these people are going to do everything wrong and then still get to be bailed out, um, like Delta, I think they declared bankruptcy like five times in the past 10 years. It's like every other year they're declaring bankruptcy. Like they just need to go out of business. U.S. government won't let them. They won't let the market work. And they say that they're free market fundamentalists and then they won't let the market work. It's ridiculous. So um, where the most vulnerable communities are those who are have sickness, uh, you know, they have chronic illness, or they, uh, it's called comorbidities, right? comorbidities. And that means that you have some kind of chronic illness, diabetes or heart disease or asthma. And if that goes along with your, you know, potential to get sick, um, even when you're older, you have these comorbidities and it's more likely that you have these things. Your, your odds go up significantly, your mortality rates. And so we need to look out for us, uh, look out for the, the people in our lives. And, and the poor internationally, they're, they're the most at risk of suffering from this thing. Yeah, so just to sum up, we had the biological crisis, which is COVID-19. Um, you can isolate or mitigate. We need to flatten the curve and raise the line, increase our capacity and, and decrease the number of new cases. In order to do that, we need to test and trace, which is kind of sailed already. Um, we will need tests still when we, we finally get rid of the shutdown, when we need to test people, we need to make sure that they're, they're clear of this virus. Um, and we might have to have multiple shutdowns over different months, rolling shutdowns, so that we can understand it's, it's spiking or it's flattening. It's spiking or it's flattening. Um, and that's just so that we don't let people die that don't have to die. The economic crisis, it, we just need the universal basic income. We need to get a way to have people back in jobs. Maybe a federal jobs guarantee at this point. Um, and the, the financial crisis. I think if you give people a UBI, then they'll be spending money. But we, we really, we really messed up, but it's not too late. We got to do everything we can to get back on track. 
before it gets worse. You know, you don't want a, a real full-on economic crisis on top of this biological crisis. You know, the, the, the stock market will take care of itself eventually. These people are wily and they have plenty of money. There's a way to make it work. We need to focus our efforts on, on dealing with the pandemic and dealing with the economic crisis. And that's where federal government is needed. And anybody that tells you differently, they have an agenda. Ask yourself what it is. Everybody be safe out there. Um, I'm going to do a companion video for this. That's going to be on The Last Outlaws. I'm now co-hosting uh, a few interviews and uh, one segment a week on The Last Outlaws. So uh, check that out, Last Outlaws on YouTube, and um, get to see me. <laughs> be safe and look out for each other. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you.